Welcome back to the Boundary Corn Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Thursday night. Thursday night. Cheers. 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 Having a little drink, watching a little hoops action. Glad tomorrow's Friday. Yes, sir. Oh man, it's been it's been a long week. Uh, it's been one of those weeks. Not so much that I was that busy, but just everything seemed to be moving a little slower this week than I like it to. So it's going to be nice finally getting to the weekend. Well, it's one of those screwed up weeks with the snow, right? Like, yeah, starting starting really Saturday. Whatever you do on Sunday, your routine was shot, and then it was Sunday, yep. Monday, Tuesday, and finally you get to Wednesday. And Thursday, maybe you're getting back to your normal routine. So I get it. Same here. Yeah, it's one of those weeks, man. And you know, obviously, Super Bowl this weekend. Unfortunately, we can't do Super Bowl things. Can't do Super Bowl things. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I'd have folks over here make some good food, set up outside if it's not too cold with the. Uh, the inflatable uh, screen and the projector and watch the game outside as uh as nature intended. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're not going to unfortunately do that. looks like even weather's not to cooperate. So I can't even do that with my family, let alone with a big ass group of people. So well, it won't be quite as it. good as it could be, but I think we'll still have a good time with it. It'll still be super Bowl. We'll still going to watch Tom Brady lose everybody. <laughs> we're going to watch Tom Brady lose. There's his prediction, folks. It did not take but about 35 <laughs> seconds into the episode, and he's already making a Super Bowl prediction. Well, I'm sure you're going to still be crushing and making a nice spread, even still it's going to be just you and the fam, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, I cook, cook, I'm probably going to cook stuff out on the grill, probably do some uh, – definitely doing some wings and jalapeno poppers, if not mm-hmm. anything else outside. Probably, probably throw a few dips in there. Maybe do some smoke queso. Who knows? Like the Super Bowl, if you if you really do it right, is essentially it starts at about three and it goes to ten. So you just yeah. mentioned you've got to have dips, you've got to have snack food, you've got to have main course, but then you got to have additional snack food after the main course. Exactly, exactly. I mean the the, the wings can kind of carry. You know, you can put those in any point in that chain and it, it would be applicable. But, you know, I think we're probably going to get the wings as at least part of the main course, if not, you know, the, the, the key player there. So we'll see. Um, still probably, probably going to plan the spread tomorrow and then do the shopping on Saturday and getting everything ready. So haven't got the full spread lined up yet, but, you know, I've got the preliminary ideas out there. Dude, you make damn good wings. Oh, yes, sir. Damn good wing. So good. All right. Well, so good. Well, Hokie Nation, tonight, uh, what we're going to be doing is the final signing day was yesterday. So we are going to be putting a wrap um, on the final the recruits we didn't cover last time. But since now and then, a shit ton of news has <laughs> happened around Hokie Nation. So we're going to dive into that first, hit the recruits on the back end. And, Brian, let's just go ahead and start it. It was rumored last time, not long after the prior recording. It happened. Daryl Tapp is gone, goes to my San Francisco 49ers as the assistant defensive line coach. Um, 
not a shock. The writing was on the wall. So, but he's now officially gone. So it hurts. Officially but. gone. Um, you know, we we talked about it a lot last time, so I'm not going to you know rehash a ton of stuff. But this is good for him. Big for him. I loved yeah. that he made the video, put that out on Twitter, on social media, um, talking about his dream of winning a a ring, winning an NFL title. Yep. He's chasing that dream. You got to respect that. Um, and you know, he's a coach with a upward trajectory that if he gets opportunities like this, you know, got to. take them got to. So good for him. Glad to, glad to hear that he's at some place where he's with guys that he trusts and that he, uh, has a good relationship with. So that's going to be good for him. And how many guys who are growing their resume literally will get to say on their resume, coached under Bill Terrellnick my first year as a coach. I coached under Chris Kasarek my second year as a coach. Not 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 many guys. So he is building his resume. Um and he has got right now an absolute stud line to work with. We'll see yeah. what happens in the draft if we add some more pieces to it. But that piece was gone. We had to add somebody, right? Although Yeah we did. I had I had some negativity in me and saying we're not going to add somebody because, you know, it, it's freaking COVID. It's 2020. We've done enough screwed up stuff. But the man we mentioned is the man they hired, Pokey legend J.C. Price. Now, for those out there listening, if you don't know the name J.C. Price, first of all, stop the right here, press pause on the podcast, and go research him. And go look at the 1995 team, essentially the team that catapulted the Hokies onto the national scene. He was an All-American. He was an All-Big East player. He was he was a stud. Yeah. He was one of the first holders of the lunch pail. The picture of him coming off the sugar bowl with the pail above his head. So he's going back to the roots of who we are. And everybody's been saying, well, we, we, how's he gonna help with recruiting? Yada yada. Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take this one, man, because it's a personal relationship you have with someone and a well-respected person down to seven five seven. Yeah. So uh, if, for those that don't know, I played uh, college football with Chris Scott, um, head coach Oscar Smith down at Chesapeake, uh, won a state title at Ocean Lakes in Virginia Beach. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the guys that we recruit that are in those top 10 uh, Virginia players, this guy's coached them. And just reading through some of the stuff he's been put on social media, caught this one. This was before the hire even came through for JC. So um, I know I put it on the timeline. We had talked. Uh, Chris Scott talking about JC Price, hands down, one of the best I've ever been around. A great fit for VTech right now second to none in recruiting and taking care of our guys. That's a big time high school head coach speaking very, very strongly about the type of guy that JC price is. And that's what we're getting here. Somebody that understands the Virginia, Maryland, DC, seven, five, seven, eight Oh four recruiting footprint. Sir. He knows the area. He's recruited the area. He knows these high school coaches. He's got personal relationships 
with these high school coaches coming in. He's a Virginia Tech legend. He's a guy that's done it at a lot of different levels. So he's relating to the players, but he also has those bona fides to back up, you know, what he's done and who he is. So I think in terms of the situation with Tap leaving be a pretty rough situation for the Hokies, this is the best case scenario, Phil, that I could think of that isn't, you know, a big time splash hire of some well-known coach who would never take <laughs> an assistant defensive line coach role anyway. So that that's my piece there. <laughs> and with JC, y'all, I mean, JC played in the NFL for three seasons. Injuries hurt him there. He came back to Tech as a GA. From there, he went to JMU. He was their D-line coach when they won the national title in 04. And he was there until 2011. How many times, I hate to say it, he got us in 2010. Yeah. Um, then he goes to Marshall under Doc Holliday. Obviously, they've had a great run of success there. <laughs> um, but it's like it's it's like they 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 lost out on tapping the personality and the connection, and you put someone that it's it's almost right there. Yeah, except he's coaching a lot longer. Um, he's been in the recruiting game a lot longer. Along with that co-defensive line coach, he is the defensive recruiting coordinator. New I mean, role. <laughs> new role. But it's but it's it's how you it's how they probably got him in the door and probably got him with the pay. I'd, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see his pay. Um, but we, we talked about here, that last time, though. Remember, we said that. You know, we did. the only question mark we said about JC is would he be willing to come in just as a a, a co-defensive line coach and that he would need something else attached to that to sweeten the pot. And here we go, defensive, you know, re- recruiting guy here. So that's a role that he can kind of put on his resume now as well um, yeah. here, here in Blacksburg. And it's something that can justify – the level of compensation I think he would he would have needed in terms of taking a back seat from an on field perspective. So yeah. I like it. it. Like I said, I think it was the best case option for for what we were dealing with there, and it was something that was very positive. I think in terms of what the fan base was looking for in replacing Daryl Tap when he departed. Absolutely, they knocked this out of the park. There's no other way to say it. They knocked it clear out of the park. And um, I, I think it's going to be good things going on. All right, let's move on because we got JC back. Awesome. But we mentioned the recruiting coordinator of the defense. Well, we've also added some other titles. Two guys got added to their titles this week. The first, Adam Lechtenberg, is now titled as the offensive recruiting coordinator. And then Ryan Smith after the unbelievable coaching job he did last year, gets a passing game coordinator title on his, I think Brian Smith got a raise. Lichtenberg probably got a raise. Now, I want to do this way, Brian. Let's just talk about quick with Brian Smith. Um, Does this scare you that if we ball again on defense, especially the DBs in the corners, like, eh, Talking in terms of him making a jump after he uh, gets some of this uh, 
partial coordinating uh, position under his belt. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, okay. Obviously, right now Smith is a fast riser. We're, we're seeing that just going from, you know, having success at JMU coming to us, looking really good in year one, especially considering the cards he was dealt with, pretty much not having his two best corners for almost the whole season. Um, and then getting the production that he got out of Dorian Strong as a true freshman. You know, th- that's a pretty big deal. And the fact that he was an emergency play caller for one game um, when Jay Ham was out with COVID, um, you know, these are things that show that Ryan Smith is going to be a guy to take seriously on this defensive staff. And they're making some moves to show him, hey, we respect what you did in year one. Here's Here's a little bit to – to show our appreciation for that and hopefully build that, that relationship so that, you know, he's not jumping ship um, right away. Well, hopefully we can, uh, you know, continue to, to, to cultivate that relationship and keep him around for a little bit um, as, as long as we're turning things around as a team, as a whole. Now, I agree with you tenfold. That's, that's the reason I think, I don't know how much, but again, I'd be interested to see his pay pay scale now too. But the Leichtenberg one, um, I like it because Leichtenberg is one guy that seems like whoever he touches, they come in and they perform. Now, what I'm going to be very interested in and get your opinion on, Brian, is how do you think the structure of this is going to look? Do you think this is going to be them? You know, is it going to be the guys in the operations sector saying, hey, here are the guys we feel good about? They look at the do the player evaluation with the other coaches. And then is it JC and Adam kind of sitting there saying, yeah, I know this is an offensive lineman, but Vance, you're not touching this guy. Jafar, this is your guy. Or JC, yeah, I know this is a linebacker, Jack, but Bill needs to talk to this guy. Like identifying personality traits and trying to match up that versus saying what the position coaches do need to do. Yeah, that that's a good, um, that's a good assessment there because I feel like what uh, he's done well in his time with the Hokies so far is that he's done a good job of identifying talent and however it is, whether it's from him directly or filtering it through the right position coach or the right personality type, he's had a good, he's done a good job of not only a getting those JUCOs guys, those transfer guys in the building and uh, on board, but he's done a good job of once they are on board, we're seeing the dividends of bringing them in pay off on the field. Like there hasn't been very many guys that we brought in, that Adams had a direct um, relationship with that haven't at least been a productive player, if not someone that turned into a star like a, a Khalil Herbert. So um, that's, that's a positive here. I feel like from a perspective of identifying talent and getting those relationships, he's probably the best offensive coach that we have for that type of role. Um, I feel like, Shabes does a pretty good job. Um, Vice and Jafar are very hit or miss. Um, Corn is very hit or miss, uh, to say the least. Um, but I feel like at before this, the way Fuente was talking in the press conference, it almost made it seem like this was a role that 
corn kind of had de facto up until this point in terms of the high school portion uh, of the recruiting blueprint and having a guy like Adam take that whole thing over and not just be focused on the transfer portal and the Juco guys. I feel like that's going to pay some dividends. And also you partner him with a guy like JC that already has these relationships with some of these coaches. I think that's going to be a good groundwork to, to get him in the door and, 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 and pay dividends there because Honestly, we haven't had an offensive coach that really has deep relationships in the state, and I think that's why you've seen a lot of the, our offensive talent coming from out of state. By the way, on this, if that's truly the case of what Corn was doing now, he has absolutely no excuses for a piss poor offense this year. He has one thing he has to focus on. One thing. All right, we're going to move on. There's a few other things said <laughs> in the press conference. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't disagree. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the press conference. We we sat watched the whole thing, chit-chatted while it was going on. Um, one thing that jumped out to me and you, one was not a shock. One shocked me, but then made me happy. Daryl Bailey moving over to offensive line. Something everybody has said, a lot of people have said from the beginning, that's his fit. Why isn't he there to begin with? Yep. No shock there, right? No shock there. And I mean, it's kind of six, one half dozen of the other. We're going to be somewhat thin in a cycle or two at both offensive line and defensive line. At this point, it's better to get him where he helps the most because we've shown the ability to bring in a lot more transfer and JUCO defensive lineman than we have offensive linemen get him on offense get him where he needs to be so hopefully in a year or two he's ready to contribute the other one was Lakeem Rudolph who was looking at a safety and now he is being moved to backer because he's just grown too much Lakeem Rudolph was 6'4 200 coming in how big is he now to be moving from safety to backer yeah, that that's that's telling me he's like at least in the upper two teens, if not already two twenty plus. Um, it also tells me that as soon as he got on campus, he got to work. Um, yeah, because I'm, what he was what projected as the three, um, what the the three at the uh, at Rover, right? I'm trying to remember where he was on the, but he was he was number three at one of the safety positions on the depth chart this year, which you know, originally gave us pause because a lot of us had projected him as being a wide receiver, um, yeah. you know, b- b- before we even, you know, got him committed. So the fact that he came in as a third string safety, we're like, oh, okay, well, maybe. Um, but moving to backer, I feel like is going to be really good for us because what we are missing at the linebacker position is athleticism. And having a guy that's been able to play wide receiver, play safety, now bring that athleticism to the linebacker level, you know, if, if he picks up technique and he picks up all those things that he needs to to play the position well, I mean, the sky's the limit for him, for real, because he's got length and he's he's getting size, apparently. So, Can I say it? It's Tremaine yeah. 2.0. It's Tremaine. He has a potential to be Tremaine 2.0. Tremaine came in at about 215. By the time he left, he was in the 240s. If he's 220 right now, and that's all I can – every time I think about it, I hear Fuente saying he's just gotten too big. 
it tells me that he is in that 220 range where I'm not going to not. If he's showing the, the, the big stuff, man, yeah. he might be he might be competing to get some PT this year. Yeah, I mean, if he yeah. picks up the position, then yeah. I mean, because in terms of just athleticism and build, I mean, he's go- he's already going to be um, kind of where the the competition is. So, I mean, if he picks up the nuances of the position, the sky's the limit for the kid. Um, and and that's just talking about you know what would be technically his uh, red shirt freshman year, but it's really not a red shirt. It's just he's true freshman part two. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's Brian, we can toot our own horns on this. Fuente said in the press conference, he didn't make any bones. We need help on the offensive line. Depth wise. We're not shocked. We've been saying it. Since <laughs> we were going to, so in, in one or two cycles, we were going to need a significant amount of offensive line help before Nestor and Hudson left. Once True. Nestor and Hudson left, it became an immediate need. We still Absolutely. probably need at least one tackle to come in for either Juco or transfer portal at this point. Um, yeah. That's just to not feel worried going into this season. If you look yeah. into what, what could happen in 22 and 23, things get a little dicey if we don't make some big-time uh, plays for linemen in this cycle. So that, that that's my piece. Now, I'm going to say this, something else Coach mentioned um, when he was talking about, you know, talked about the OA, then he kind of transitioned to, you know, after spring and things are going to start happening. Guys are going to get in the portal. Guys are going to graduate and want to leave. Zion DeBoe gets in the portal today. Not a shock, especially when you hear about Justin Beatles and how much, I think he said Justin Beatles had gained 20-plus pounds. That means Justin Beatles is in the 250 to 260 range. That tells me, like Lakeen, he's come in and he's done work. And if his body's up to that point, he's potentially ready to start helping on the defensive line. Yep. So if Ryan leaves, best of luck to him wherever he lands. But we're we're gonna see, I think we're gonna see somewhere between three to five guys in the portal between now and May 1st. And we're going to probably be able to go after the JUCOs and portal tackles um, this year. And even more so, at August 1st, it's a transfer free of charge. It's true, man. And we've got we've got some roster spots here. And we've got, uh, you know, as you said, probably one or two immediate fills and then probably another two to three that are going to happen mm-hmm. after spring practice. Maybe so we're talking maybe more. four, maybe maybe four to five positions between now and when summer hits that that could potentially be open to some further action in the transfer portal. Um, so keep the keep the eyes open. Um, like I said, we we particularly need some offensive line help. A- as bad as it is to say, I wouldn't mind if we, you know, took a chance on a certain uh, running back that's no longer has a home at a power five institution. Uh, and that's not to um, say we don't have enough running backs, but it would be nice to have a dependable running back with significant uh, amount of carries and experience at the power five level to carry that load. Um, that's no knock to 
Keyshawn King, no knock to Jalen Holston, no knock to hopefully it's no knock to Blackshear because he shouldn't be right at the running back position most of his snaps anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Oh gosh. But yeah, there, there, there's definitely room for growth in the in the portal, and I, honestly, not just room for growth, but a need for growth in the portal. All right, let's move on. Obviously, yesterday was signing day, although there were no additional signings. Between original signing day and yesterday, the Hokies picked up three, I would say big, guys who had opportunities to go elsewhere with scholarship offers, but chose to be preferred walk-ons. All of them are here out of the RVA. You got Cameron Olds over at Midlothian on Southside. You got Jabari Parker out of Highland Springs over in the East End, and you've got Miles Ellis out of Deep Run out here in the West End. Ron, this you know, and as soon as I saw it yesterday, as soon as Miles committed, Jabari retweeted that thing and put what RVA to Tech. Yep, it's just like you know the the the, the fact that we're hitting some of these schools that we probably have lost focus on, even if we're just getting some some uh, preferred walk-on guys in the building. Getting those guys in the building is going to help down the road. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sad that it's taken this long to start making some headway on this front, though. So, I mean, you get a you get a pat on the back for finally doing it. You know, you get a kick in the nuts, too, because you've waited this long. <laughs> it's definitely a kick in the nuts. It's definitely a kick in the nuts. <laughs> Because it's taken six freaking years. It's taken six years. And, and and maybe that's the thing. All of these guys were borderline guides. And, um, you know, what we should have probably been doing a few years ago is saying, I can't give you a scholarship, but we're going to put you on a PWO. Come on, please. You know, and and then go back and show how over, like, Hokie tradition, if you're a great walk-on, you're going to get a scholarship. Yep. If you bust your ass and you can play football, you're going to get a scholarship. Um, And let's hope this goes not only here, but elsewhere in the state as well, man. Um, Brian, I, I move on here, and um, hey, we got a five-star commitment from punter Nick Mofletis. Hey, it, it's good. I know there are a lot of five stars with the punters, but you always want to try to grab one of those because usually those guys can come in immediately and start kicking. What do you think? Golf clap, man. We got a punter. Let's move on. We move on. All right. (laughs) Um, right. Schedule release. I don't want to get deep into this because we need, we need conditioning to go on we need spring ball to go on we need summer transfer portal before we dive deep into this but what i'm going to ask brian you and i'm going to make my own input on this when you take a look at this schedule where we're opening with north carolina on thursday or friday night probably in middle tennessee west virginia richmond we get our break after richmond notre dame Pitt, syracuse georgia tech bc duke miami uva how do you feel about the flow of this schedule this year? I mean, looking at it, there's not a whole lot that we could have asked for more, except for maybe flipping one of those, 
November road games to a to a home game at some point and giving a, a home game a little bit earlier in the schedule. Um, but in terms of how we're stacking the competition in the ACC relative to the non-conference and relative to the homes and aways, I kind of like it. I, I think it was, you know, I, there's not a whole lot of changes I'd make to it. So uh, what about you, man? Same. The flow of this schedule, if if we can't have a good record with the flow of this schedule, um, the day after UVA, if people aren't fired, there should be somebody should go to Merriman and knock on Whit Babcock's door and say, what's wrong with you? Our schedule has been set up to where a minimum of eight wins should happen. Minimum. Sure. If you're going lower. If if, 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 goes, if you say what should happen versus what I think will happen, those are two different numbers right now. But there's yeah. still improvement left to be made to the roster. There's still other changes that might be made to the staff, um, potentially. So, I mean, we saw some this week, so I'm going to leave that open for, for, for possibility here. So, you know, it's right true. now I say we should win eight. I think we win six. Here's the thing. The toughest two-game stretch on this schedule is Notre Dame-Pitt. And Notre Dame's after freaking bye week at home and Pitt's at home. That's the toughest two-game stretch all year. Yep. We get Syracuse Um, at home. We don't have to go to the fucking Carrier Dome. Yeah, it's Georgia Tech. (laughs) They don't have a home field. It's BC – Georgia Tech to BC is going to be tough because it's a Saturday to a Friday night, um, and they're both away. So – Guys are going to be on the plane both times, but they're both mid- middle to bottom of the ACC. And the one thing I I will knock this staff when they need to be knocked, but I will give them kudos. The one thing they are really good at is opening game plans. And to get North Carolina in lane where there should be fans come September, because every everybody saying what by mid June we're going to have. Everyone in the state of Virginia that wants a vaccine, you can have a vaccine. That stadium should be full. To get them on a Thursday, I hope it's Thursday. I hope it's Thursday. Get that lure back. To get them early, we know this coaching staff can plan out its ass for opening games. So we'll see. Schedules the way we need it. Coaching staff, do your job. Yep, no excuse. No excuses whatsoever. All right, Brian, we're going to flip over just for a couple minutes and hit some non-football-related topics. Intake basketball has been rolling, even with the loss at Pitt yesterday, the big win against UVA. Um, We're a tournament team. I'm just going to say that. I think the wins we have and the record we have right now, I think we're a tournament team. But the one big piece that happened since we, you know, Last signed on was Tyrese Radford's DUI and gun charge, where he has now pleaded guilty to the DUI charge, and the gun charge is under advisement for the next year. He was suspended immediately by the team, but this happening this week with the guilty plea, what do you think is going to happen, Brian? What do you think? Are we going to see him in by March? I think so. I think at this point you're going to see – something come out in the next week 
in terms of he's back with the team, but he's still suspended for X number of games somewhere between February, I'd say February 20th and February 25th. He rejoins the team in terms of being able to play in a game that gives you about a week leading into the ACC tournament. So I think by ACC tournament tournament time, uh, Radford will have one or two um, closing the regular season contest under his belt and ready to start the tournament. So we shall see, but that, that is my hope. I think that that would show that Mike Young is, is giving him a degree of punishment for the action, but saying, we still need you. We still want you. We still got your back. And he said so in, in his release. That was probably the, the most well-stated oh, yeah. uh, release on a player that's dealing with that situation that I've seen. So kudos to Mike Young for how he's handled this whole thing. Absolutely. The other piece with, um, with Tyrese is he quickly admitted to it. It wasn't if – you, if you saw some of the stuff, he basically – was a quick, I'm in the wrong. I'm pleading guilty because it was my fault. But it made me and Brian raise a question here tonight before we jumped on. It said it in the release. He was at Tots before. Yep. Anybody that's ever been Tots, if you go there as a college student, you know what's going to happen. But here's my question. Me and Brian were in school 15 years ago. Brian was in Hamden Sydney football. I was in a fraternity at Longwood. Weekend days, we had set designated drivers. Yes, we did. There were set people. This is yours. Here's your shift. You start here. You go to here. Weekdays, usually somebody was always sober. So if you went out and got shit-faced somewhere, people would come get you. How is this not happening? How yeah, I mean, it's, it, it seems like at this point, there would be some degree of coordination also in the times of Uber and the times of being connected with everyone at the push of a button. It it just seems like how is this, how is something not put in place within the team or within, you know, some sort of whether it's the, you know, athletic guys, something put together to say, Hey, if you need, if you're out somewhere and you're too drunk to do anything with your vehicle, here's who you call, here's who you contact, here's who you text, you know, FaceTime, you know, what, what, whatever you need to hit up, this is who you hit up. Um, we were doing it in the mid two thousands. There's no excuse to not be doing it now. Nope. That's when cell phones were first prevalent. You'd call your DD. They'd come pick you up from Mulligan's on high street. By the way, Brian, Thursday night, if this was 15 years ago, <laughs> we would be no double <laughs> 79 cent rail drinks and then $3 pitchers after that. Come on, man. But you know what we would be doing? We would be calling someone to come drive us home afterwards. We move on. Exactly. Another sport that is absolutely rolling right now, and that is Virginia Tech men's wrestling. Um, men's wrestling right now is ranked eighth in the country. They're undefeated. 
um, between their duels and their other competitions. And Friday night on the ACC network, they got this right. It is a massive top 10 showdown. Yep. At eight, number three, NC State comes into Castle Coliseum. NC State hasn't lost any meets or duels all year. Huge. I give whoever was in charge of putting this on Friday night, genius. It sucks. It sucks that no more than 250 kids can get into this. Yep. Because I have a feeling that would be a rocking atmosphere. It would be unbelievable. Yeah, it'd be it'd be incredible. Um, you know, wh- while we're here, I mean, r- wrestling has been knocking out of the park, guys. Um, complete annihilation of uh, who was it? Duke the other day, forty-two-three. Yeah, it was complete complete annihilation, and um, you know, got some of the, the the better individual wrestlers in the entire nation, um, and now the team as a whole, you know, ranked eight. That that that's a big time. Uh, program that we've got here um while we're on the subject of the ac acc network getting this right and we just talked about basketball how do they keep screwing up not putting their uh ranked matchups on the freaking network that has their freaking name on it i don't know before i jump into that though after the blowout of duke they then beat the number 12 ranked Tar heels in the duel a couple days later I don't understand ACC Network. I don't. <laughs> I ESPN and ACC Network. So the Hokies are playing Pitt just a couple nights ago, and Hokies are ranked. Pitt's considered a good team. Pitt's a bubble team. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, oh, cool, ESPN two, maybe even ESPN. Okay, definitely ACC Network. No, ACC Network extra. I swear, the, the people that are running that show have no clue what to do. If they want to give us $300,000 a year, we would crush it. And you wouldn't have to see Packer and Durham on repeat for 17 freaking hours. It's like, <laughs> you know, I got nothing against Packer and Durham. I feel like Packer and Durham are perfectly fine at what they're doing. I just don't need that much of them. Not at all. Um, We'll move on off that because we could probably go <laughs> hours because believe it or not they do have some really good shows the three-day weekend show have you watched that yet yeah yeah that's that's the content you want so kudos to them for that but a lot of the other stuff is just me all right Hugh Herbert gets nominated for the Dudley Award which will be awarded in the spring do you agree that you should have been our nominee I agree that he should be our nominee and I 100% think he should fucking win it Yes, the guy led the nation in all-purpose yards. <laughs> that is Christian Darisol, first-team All-American offensive tackle. That's why. If I you want you. a Virginia Tech player to win it, you put your fucking running back in there, and I, and, and I'm an offensive lineman saying that they know there what they're go. doing here. I mean, as as much as I love what what Christian Darisol did, yeah. There's something more sexy about the running back with the big numbers than it is the the tackle that's just really damn good every fucking snap. Yep. Here's what I hope <laughs> happens. Um, they're going to wait till after the FCS season for JMU and you know other things because obviously Dudley's with Lanier. You know your alma mater is going to be starting its football pretty soon here too. Maybe May rolls around. 
they usually do that out in uh, at one of the hotels here in the West End. And we can go. Maybe they're yeah. letting people. If not, yeah, you know, it is what it is. All right. We're going to completely turn off Hokey Talk for the next few minutes here. And we're going to discuss a couple things. Let's start first, Brian. Our teams were heavily vested in potentially trying to acquire Matthew Stafford, right? Yes, uh, that was the big push. And unfortunately for both of us, it did not work out because where did Matthew Stafford end up? He went to the Rams, unfortunately. Them trading for him is, you know, it's one of those things. You heard rumors. What they gave up? No. No. As a Niners fan, I have not given up that much to get Matt Stafford. They gave up two ones. This year's third, which they don't have a first. I don't even think they have a second. So they don't have a pick till probably the fourth round now. Yep. They get lucky that the Lions are willing to take the golf contract, which was a terrible contract. That's the only good part. And it's true, man. It's also a lesson in why you don't give people contracts off one year of success. No. Well, we're in that spot too with Jimmy. But the way his contract's negotiated, if we do land another quarterback, we can cut him with no cap casualties. It's like yeah, nothing. You're, you're, you, 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 you can move on a lot easier now. It costs money for you to keep him, but it doesn't cost you as much if you find someone else to replace it. Um, we're in a position now where, I mean, we're, we're out of, we, we got rid of rivers contract when he retired. Um, you know, we're, we're out from some other contracts on our roster. So we've got, we've got some cap room to spend. Um, I don't like mortgaging a draft in order to, or draft and a half. Um, you know, we've got the cap room to make some other moves. Um, I'd like us to maybe look at Darnold. Um, I feel like that is the option. Yeah, don't don't say Wentz. No one wants Wentz. Um, I, I I love I love that everyone's talking about the relationship with um, Wentz and Coach Wright, but I just feel like if if you want to bring in a quarterback and you actually spend money on your quarterback, that quarterback needs to be available. It doesn't matter how good you are, and Wentz hasn't been that great of late. But if you're not available, it doesn't matter how good you are. We saw that mm-hmm. with Peyton Manning towards the end of his tenure with the Colts, and we saw that with Andrew Luck with all with, with him getting banged up. No, no, not discrediting Andrew Luck. I mean, he put his ass out there every time, and I've got no problem with the decision he made ultimately. But the big problem was is that injuries caused him to miss games. So you can't be great if your quarterback is missing games. True. A, um, a above average dependable quarterback is a lot better than an elite guy that is only available for 10 games a year. I have an above average quarterback that's been out a shit ton of games. And, <laughs> you know, I, I go back to this with Garoppolo. Garoppolo's ACL tear screwed everything up because Garoppolo had that of a pocket passer. He had the upper end athleticism. And you could see it the way he moved in the pocket and things like that. But when he screwed his knee up, and some people argue and say, no, it didn't do it. Jimmy would know. 
if you watch Shanahan's offense, like you you know, Brian, from watching years and years, he wants those bootlegs. He wants rollouts. He wants guys that can move around. The ACL took that from like not Mike Vick or anything like that level, but like a Steve Young, right at the Steve Young-esque level, and it lowered it. I'm not saying Peyton Manning, but not – he's right in the middle somewhere, and you can't be that. I don't know what's going to happen. The only thing I'll say is this. As a Niners fan, if we don't draft one or trade for one, I think the regime that I like because the guys know how to draft and they know how to coach is gone in a couple of years because they're going to lose this year and they're going to lose next year and they're going to be out. Right on so the other you're, hand. You're, you're hoping they figure it out. I mean, I think we've got a lot more room to work with just because, number one, we have made the playoffs consistently. We're, we're, we're right there. We see that it's one or two moves away from being a really damn good team to just being a playoff team. Um, you know, you get the right quarterback in there, you shore up, you know, one, one probably one more skill position, and then you add somebody on the defensive line to to, to pair with uh, some of the studs you've already brought in. And I think then you're, you're cooking. So um, if we can do that, we're looking pretty good. Absolutely. All right, we're going to roll on, and we're going to hit one more topic, non-Hokies related, but kind of Hokies related. Um, Brian, that tweet came out from EA Sports this week, man. Dude. dude. Collectively, anybody that's a college football fan, anybody that is a video game fan just smiled. Anybody that has been into college football at all in the last – 10 plus years just like lost their collective shit. Uh, I'm saying at least, at least the last 10, at least the last 10. Cause I mean, you know, there's younger people that don't really know what the fuck we're talking about here, or at least not to the degree that we're talking about it. But if, if you've been a, a college football fan, at least for the last 10 years, you know that NCAA football is a great treasure <laughs> and we're finally getting it back in some way, shape, or form in the coming years. Um, the fact that they're able to bring it back, I don't I don't know. It sounds like what they're going to do is, I guess, individually negotiate with institutions in order to get licensing and things of that nature. So um, it's nice to see that they are working those channels and not trying to get the blanket NCAA license. Yep. Brian, I got two questions for you. First is going to be as – actually, they're both kind of from a gamer aspect. One, yep. do you want them – would you rather them try to push it out in the next 18 months or do you want them to slow burn and get this shit right and maybe it's 2023, 2024 before we see it? That's the gamer aspect. That's my first question. Um, I'm going to take the latter there. Uh, I want them to get it right the first time so that any iteration going forward is more putting icing on the cake instead of having to fill in some of those gaps. Um, just because if they end up going with the, the one-year cycle that they were doing before, it's a lot harder to make wholesale improvements in just a one-year cycle. Um, so I would prefer them to uh, to be working on that front where they get all of the core mechanics, all of the main 
um, gameplay mechanics where they need to be. A lot of the uh, the primary uh, modes are, are are polished and ready to go. You know, Road to Glory is what it needs to be. Um, Dynasty is what it needs to be. If you can get those two fully polished, then you can tweak some other things as you go along. All right, second question. It's been, it'll be probably somewhere between eight to 10 years when it's released. What aspect do they need to have in that game that they haven't had before where it's like, God, for sake, can you just put this in the game because it matters? <laughs> uh, to be funny, Bagman. <laughs> All right. I'm going to write that down, but something that everyone won't deny. <laughs> um, I mean, I think kind of more deep uh, recruiting integration, things like where coaches would go to camps and, and do scouting that way. Deeper level recruiting tools like that would be would be something to to put in there, especially since camps have become a big, big, big part of the recruiting trail relative to w- even when the the game was put out last time. Um, so I think that that'd be good. I mean, if we're gonna you know throw another funny out there, uh, if when, when you go if you get recruited by Florida, you gotta have a cabana outside of the football facility. <laughs> All right. Well, let me give you mine. I'm okay. serious. They have to make 85 player rosters. They have to. That is the okay. way it's done. And I know that's a shit ton of creating players and building those models and, you know, simulated players and all that stuff. But, you know, hand to God, I'm still playing 2004 collegiate football. And when I can only recruit nine guys a year, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is unrealistic. Make that realistic. I need a full boat. <laughs> I need a full boat. Now, the funny thing that I want was well, not funny because it's kind of half serious. First, I want an option to basically a become Saban or become Bear Bryant type mode, a true coaching mode. Okay. But inside that coaching mode, if you screw up, I want some hilarious outtakes of how you can be fired. I <laughs> ready? Yep. You're a coach, you know, Brian. You're trying to work your way up there, and uh, I'm coaching uh, Miami. Let's just put them out there, just because. And I go up to Blacksburg, and I get my ass absolutely beat down, forty-nine, fourteen. They show a picture of me getting off the team bus. The AD walks off the airplane, says, stop, can't get on the plane, you've been fired. I want that type of real. <laughs> so I want- Here, here's you your commercial ticket. We'll, uh, we'll see you later. You're going to your, – your flight's going to take a while to get there. The kids will be gone. You just come in clean after office. Make sure you're out by 8 in the morning when the other guys get there. Stuff like that. Um, and then you talk about bagmen. Wouldn't it be funny too if uh, the coach doesn't know about the bagmen, and then he goes to recruit a kid, and the bagman's there? 
and the awkward. Oh, coach, uh, didn't uh, know you were showing up to dick. Okay. I'll see myself out. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on, folks, and we're going to hit our big topic tonight, which is taking a look at the additional and the remaining recruits for the 2021 class. Just like last time, um, we're going to discuss them, and then we're going to look at the 2021 role on the team, the role in 2023, and then what's their best attribute. So, Brian, I'm going to go ahead and pull it up here. Let's start. You know what? Let's start with Taj Bullock, the dual-threat quarterback out of St. Peter's Prep in Jersey City, New Jersey, three-star, 85-rated, um, offers from Rutgers, offers from Boston College, six foot four, 220 pounds, so already built to play. What do you see his role in 2021, Brian, with the team? Um, I mean, this is going to be strictly emergency-like quarterback. Um, if the entire wheels fall off the situation at the quarterback room, we'll put him in there. Um, not That's no knock to his ability. I think he's a guy that has um, some good skills, and he's a uh, definitely a proven winner, so – um, but I think he's got a little bit of polish that's needed to some of his um, pocket skills that are going to take probably a year or two before we start seeing the potential that he may have. Yeah, absolutely. Although you could see just in the last year from your tape that we looked at back last summer and then this year, his polishing, his passing has already gotten a little bit more polished, which was very impressive for him, especially in a COVID type year where he probably didn't get to go to many camps. Um, yeah, he tightened up that release, so the release looks a lot better. Um, if, if, like I said, if he can work on his footwork a little bit more, um, and just overall decision making and, and timing with the football, um, but you know, when when things need to happen, he makes plays. So you, you like that ability in a player. And he's got a howitzer for an arm. Best case scenario for twenty twenty three. Um, I'd like to see him as as the number two if, if he reaches his potential he could he could be the backup in 2023 potentially being ready to take over the the keys to the kingdom okay see i can see him with his build i i'd like to see him the starters 2023 or church sophomore um because a if you're telling me now that he's the backup in 2023 then we're going to get a juco in 2022 um, it's true. I, like I said, I, I don't know what his, what his progression is going to be like. Um, but I think he would be a solid backup for us. Um, at that point, hopefully that all the pieces come together and he ends up putting it together for us. But I think more than likely the role in 2023 is going to be a, a number two. All right. All right. Next, let's take a look at Jaden Keller, the six foot three, two hundred pounder out of Bristol, Tennessee. The guy that lives on the line, three star, you know, offers from you know App State, Tennessee report an offer, South Carolina report an offer. Um, and tell me where you see is twenty twenty one the figuring out year? What he's going to be with that frame? I mean, is he wide out? Is he corner? Or is it? Yeah, think- that, that, that's what I'm thinking right now is that I'm definitely going to be a red shirt situation, but I think it's going to be a, you know, get him in and try him at both sides of the ball and see where he's really fitting in, what 
what skills he's picking up from practice and things like that. Um, definitely has the potential to play on both sides. It's just going to de- depend on number one, how's our roster makeup looking, um, and wh- how what is his comfort level? How does he look on the field at, at, at both sides and, and and go from there? So, um, you know, I'm kind of torn on where I'd like to see him. I think I'd prefer to see him at, at cornerback just because if he works there, I feel like he could make a better impact quicker. Um, but we still haven't had an emerging wide receiver beyond kind of our, our first two guys yet. So there's potential for him on the wide receiver position as well. Absolutely. And again, the one thing about the first two guys that came in is they're reporting the bodies are just ready, which to me is a good sense to think, um, they, they come in and learn versus coming in and bulking up. 2023 best-case scenario, I think you kind of just mentioned it. I, I'm assuming you're hoping he's probably a backup piece at whatever position he lands in. Yeah, and like I said, I think I would prefer that to be cornered just because while we don't have standouts at wide receiver, I feel like we've got enough that, that keep coming in that we can bring in um, at that position, whereas corner is a little bit harder to um, always sometimes get a fit. Uh, so if he does end up fitting there, it'd be nice to have him um, you know, ready to roll. All right, best attribute? Um, I mean, just raw athleticism, man. Kid can run, kid, kid can move. Um, so I, I, I really like what he does. Um, I, I watched some tape where he's at the wide receiver position, so he moves good in and out of breaks. Um, got some good athleticism, so hopefully we'll see some of that um, if he ends up on the offensive side of the ball. All right, let's roll on to another Tennessee guy, Elijah Howard, the three-star, um, a top 10 player in the state of Tennessee, you know, also showing the offers from Tennessee, from Louisville, Georgia Tech, Purdue, Virginia, um, even had interest from Alabama, 5'11", 185 pounds. Do you think he sticks at running back 2021, Brian, or do you think he is going to be moving? Uh, that is the big question for him. I, I could, I could easily see him moving, um, but it's, it's, it's still really too early to tell. We have such a log jam at the running back position of guys that aren't what I would consider elite level players. We've got a bunch of good guys that have, we got, we got a few good guys that have some experience and we got a bunch of good guys that don't have a lot of experience. But we don't have anybody that stands out in the same way that Khalil Herbert did coming into 2020. So there's potential there, but there's also the thing where if you stick at running back, you might get lost in the mud of 10 to 12 running backs. <laughs> so so, so I, I think I think there it might be some opportunity for him to see what other positions are offering for him. I'm not exactly sure what that fit would be, um, whether it be on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, but um, running back is going to be interesting to look at. But, you know, looking at the guys that recruited him, I see, you know, Ryan Smith in there as well. So there might be some potential at corner for him too. All right. Uh, Do you think his best bet by 2023 is just finding a position? I think so. Yeah. If he can find a position and get in a role where he can just get on the field 
consistently on special teams and then you know look to be a a a key reserve player for us by 2023 i think that's probably the 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 top end for us um in terms of projection right now this attribute for him um you know i would say that his ability to do some some different things i mean he caught the ball some out of the backfield so we know he's got some hand skills um you know with the football so there's potential there um that's why i'll say maybe wide receiver for him even though you know height isn't quite what you'd like necessarily at the wide receiver position um and then you know potentially on the uh in the secondary plan either cornerback or something like that so there's opportunities there but he's got some good ball skills um you know outside of just handing the ball off to him so there's potential there yeah and i think we're in an era too brian where the height on a wide receiver doesn't matter as much as it did 15, 20 years ago because there are so many guys playing out of slot and there's so many different variations of things you can go going three wide and four wide. So if you tell me in a year or two years, hey, he is a good slot, we run jet sweeps with him, we occasionally flex him out of the backfield, I'd be fine with it. I mean, he was a pretty highly rated guy and kind of a, when we got him, just kind of one of those, oh, wow, he's a good player. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move on, Brian. Another RVA kid out of Christchurch school, DJ Sims, 6'3", 190-pound wide receiver. We essentially flipped him out of Wake Forest. Along with Wake Forest, you know, also had some offers, um, you know, from JMU, Naval Academy, Army. Um, even showing reporting a North Carolina offer, three-star guy. I'm going to assume, just from the conversations we had about him, he's a wide receiver. Right. Yeah, he's going to be a wide receiver, 6'3", 190, um, good ball skills, good at high pointing the ball. So I could see him taking over um, out in, in terms of 2021, probably going to be definitely a red shirt guy. Um, you might see him do some special teams um, in that four game allowance there, but uh, more than likely going to be a, a red shirt player for us in 21. But 23, I could see him being kind of a red zone target in a uh, in a second line. Um, at wide out. So um, there's some potential there if he can, you know, catch things up and get where he needs to be uh, in the next couple of years. I think you've already probably mentioned the best attribute is that ability to high point the ball out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, b- big guy, good wingspan, good, you know, good size coming out of high school at 190. So I think he's going to end up being a red zone uh, threat for us. Uh, kind of imagine him more, you know, I said it, about uh, who was I said about? I can't remember who it was, but anyway, Fairs. I said about Fairs. Probably going to take over a role that Fairs had. Um, you know, lot lot of blocking between the between the twenties and potential red zone threat once we get down down in the scoring area. Probably a big thing for him this year. He didn't come in early, but at one hundred ninety and six three, and we're gonna, the next guy I'm going to mention too. Go eat, go lift, get some get some meat on your bones because. You're in Division One college football. And the next guy I'm going to mention is Christian Moss, 6'3", 180, out of North Cobb High School in Kennesaw, Georgia, three-star. Um, similar things with him that you saw with DJ, or is it a little bit different with Christian Moss? Uh, probably a little bit. I mean, in terms of expected playing time, it's going to be kind of similar. I think 
in terms of, of 21, it's very much going to be a red shirt, maybe a little special team role to start the year. And as we go, move into 23, um, I'd like to see him kind of move into a similar role that Changa Hodge had for us this year. That That's probably the upper end of his of his ability for 23 would be to get in that type of role. All right. Any specific attributes you liked with him, or is it still that that six three that high pointing the ball and stuff? Um, just, I like his size. Um, I think he could probably use a little bit more weight. Um, but he he moves good for. He's not. He's he's six three, kind of kind of slender, but he doesn't move like a like one of those like really really slender wide receivers. He he moves pretty good in and out of breaks and things like that. So, um, I like that about him. <laughs> I hear Brian say. Looks good moving. I just I, I think about not knocking anybody, but sometimes there are taller people that when you see them run or move, it it, it does look awkward. Um, I see a guy running up on Pump Road. He's he's got to be six four six five, but he looks so weird running. Like you almost be like, dude, why are you running? You're like six five and you don't have any weight on you. Why do you need to run? Like, yeah, not every not everybody six three plus looks like Randy Moss running. Randy Moss running looks yeah. effortless. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Next guy I want to hit up, Brian. We're going to get in some of the guys that we talked about over the summer. Um, the first is Will Johnson, um, the three-star out of Leonardtown in Leonardtown, Maryland. Um, rated as a safety, but I can remember you distinctly saying he could be nickel, he could be Mike, he could be a backer because of the way his frame's built. But we go into twenty twenty one. Is this just going to be well? Go to the dining halls, get the prime rib, and just. Eat. I mean, he's coming in at six two two twenty. So that's all. Like right out the gate, he's already kind of fringe between backer okay. and rover. Um, yeah. So depending on what his frame needs, is probably going to depend on if he ends up staying at the safety position or if he ends up play, being a linebacker for us, um, you know, you could see him potentially probably a backer um, it, it, in terms of a 23 outlook. I, I see him potentially, you know, sliding to backer just because he's already got the size. If he puts on any weight at all, he's going to be probably too big to play that rover position. He's going to, he's going to be in that uh, Lakeem Rudolph situation where <laughs> He just isn't quite there. He isn't quite there. Well, if he puts so much more weight and backer, I mean, if he goes up to getting into the 240s, 250, I mean, he might have to essentially look at Mike or if he's got any bent to him, maybe looking at defensive end or maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, mean, I can see him getting to 235, no problem. Much more north of there is going to be how much they end up working him and whether they actually do have a need at the position where they want to put that much weight on him. Um, yeah. But getting to, you know, 230, 235 is doable. And that's definitely in that, uh, that backer role, especially if he keeps some of that speed that he has um, already yeah. from playing the safety position. What's your, uh, when you look at the attributes, you know, I, I think safety, I mean, is it how he fills and how he covers? What's his best attribute? He is a thumper. He likes to hit, <laughs> which which is it bodes well for if he does end up switching positions to linebacker. So he's not afraid to take on guys in the hole. He's not afraid to come up and make some plays. So um, 
he's a guy that'll be ready for that type of move from a physicality perspective, even if he's not there from a terminology and understanding the concepts of the position perspective. Absolutely. All right. Next guy I want to flip to is more running backs. I think we, hell, I think the running backs might be able to field multiple rec league basketball teams. <laughs> next year. If nobody leaves, multiple, multiple with benches. Malachi Thomas out of Hart County down in Georgia. Three-star guy, held offers from Cincinnati, also from Kansas State and Memphis and UCF. Um, you know, it, I just – I mean, deep room red shirt. Is that – Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to get a red shirt for 21. There's no doubt about it. Just be- between the size of the class, the size of – the preparedness that some other guys in this class are coming in with. Um, I really like Malachi Thomas. Don't get me wrong. I think he long-term in terms of let's look at 23, he's going to be the perfect type of compliment back to a guy like Kenji Christian um, to be kind of a one-two punch. All right. So I like them from that perspective, but in terms of immediate impact, uh, you know, Kenji's got him licked on that. And we've got so many other guys that from, like Marco Lee and other guys that came in last year and, you know, Holston and King that have been on the roster for a couple of years. I just don't see him making an immediate impact for us. The more and more we talk about the running backs is the more and more I feel like in down the road by 2023, the guys aren't on the team because there's so many guys. So Adam Lichtenberg, you're a running backs coach. Let's, let's not get so many running backs. So many. I know probably the thought process of the person that's been doing the recruiting is, well, just get a bunch of them. And we'll figure out two or three that are really good. Well, the, the problem that with, with the way we've set up, I know we're getting on a tangent here, but, we are, but okay. <laughs> the, the problem with what we've been doing is that we have, we've been thin at a position. So we've stacked it in a recruiting cycle. And because we yeah. stacked one position in this recruiting cycle, we got further behind in another recruiting cycle between a transfer here and injury there. And now you're having to stack at that position and you're constantly playing catch up instead of actually building your roster and balancing your roster. And then that's there when you, you have to turn to the transfer portal to kind of plug here and there to make sure that you've got enough frontline guys and enough depth to not be in a situation that is very problematic. So um, we're in that situation of running back now. We're in that situation of running back. I mean, we we panicked after 2019 because we didn't think we had anybody. Um, we brought in a bunch of guys last cycle, and we had already got far so far in the process with guys this cycle that we wanted to get them in as well. And now we've got you know a running back room that's 12 deep, and you can really only play about four of them consistently. It's true. Let's hope the new recruiting guys see that and don't go crazy. Now, one guy, and and I went on my tangent beforehand because I can remember you mentioning Chance Black as having a chance to be that slot guy. Even though he's an all-back three-star out of Dorman down in South Carolina, you you see him catching the ball so much, and it's just like, I know he probably didn't have a chance to get on 2021, but I feel like he's one that could stick because he can do everything. Yeah. I mean, right now at the gate, he kind of is like a 
even slightly more under the radar version of what Blackshear was coming out of high school. Um, just looking back at some of Blackshear's tapes. So um, similar type skill set, probably not quite as elite at any of those given attributes as, as Blackshear is at his best. But at the same time, he possesses all of those traits. So if, the, if, the, if he can grow into those a little bit more, um, you know, I see him being a, getting on the field in 2023 because of just that skill set and being kind of that gadget type player that can do a lot of different things for you, especially if our offense figures out how to use that type of player between now and then. Very true. Don't hold your breath. Um, yeah. I mean, I just – I feel like he's the one that could stick. If you told me of the three guys we've got, I feel like Kenji's built. And I don't know if he can jump and get with Jalen and get with Marco and get with Keyshawn this year. But I feel like Kenji by next year is going to be your spellback. He – Kance needs to work on everything non-running back. When he comes in in the fall, get the slot, I want to catch the ball, I want to do jet sweeps, I want to do all this stuff. That's my opinion on him. Now, the next guy, if this guy, in my opinion – has a fall season here in Virginia, and he might play in the spring. I don't know what they're doing up at Sharon Island High School um, in Stephen City. But Kyle Lawson, 6'4", 200 pounds, he's a freak. Seeing some of his videos and the things that he's doing in those gyms is unbelievable. Brian, I think you're going to tell me 2021 he has no chance to play, but if they figure out what they want to do with him, which now I think it's going to be defensive end. You're starting to load up at linebacker. Don't do what you did to yourself. It's a running yep. back room. Get him in there. Put the weight on him. Get him to the 225, 230. I'm not saying Barno, but what do you think, Brian? I mean, if we're looking at a kid that is as close to a Barno clone coming out of high school would probably be this kid. So I, I have no, no issue with that comparison. Um, kind of more under the radar recruit initially, and then probably would have been closer to that, you know, 86, 87 rating on two, four, seven versus the 84 he's got now. So uh, if he'd had a, a, a good season for, um, for 2020, but, at this point, he didn't get that, and I think that's probably going to hurt him, number one, in terms of what his rating is, obviously, but also number two in terms of what he's able to do out the gate for us. Um, I'd like the idea of getting him in on the defensive line, trying to get some weight on him and getting him um, at the defensive end position because I feel like that's where he's going to be able to make the most impact, especially – with the other guys that we're bringing on this year and the other guys that we got on the roster. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think here. Kalai Lawson, defensive end, 2023. 2023, and I think we've already hit it. Freak athleticism yeah. is that best viewed in. One of those guys that, if nothing else by 2023, third down, can your ears back and go kill the guy with the football. Nothing more, yeah. nothing less. Now the next yeah, he, guy, he'll at least have a role like Barno had the first three or four weeks of the season, where he was pretty much a 
he was out there to spell when you had to, but he was mostly there to make impacts on third down and long where he could just pin his ears back and kill the quarterback. Just a couple more guys to go here. Hold this guy off late, but when I look at the size, he's coming from the state of Florida. Desmond Mahmoudi out of Carrollwood Day High School in Tampa, Florida, 6'3", coming in. If he's 10 pounds less, it doesn't shock me, but at 280 coming in, you know, he's bigger than at least three guys on the roster right now as a defensive tackle. I don't know what his tape looks like, but what do you think for 2021, Brian? Um, just 2021, he's still going to be a guy that you're going to redshirt, try to get a little bit more weight, probably maybe refine the weight that he does have. Um, you know, not a bad body, but also not the greatest body in terms of what you like to see from an athletic standpoint. Um, but with that being said, he, his tape does look pretty good. Um, he can do some good things uh, with his hands. So I, I like the way his hands are um, for a, for a kid coming out of high school. Again, just like to see some of that motor and some of that body get, get trimmed up a little bit while putting on a little bit of weight as well. So if, if he can get up to like 295, but, you know, clean up a little bit of here, a little bit there, a little nip, a little tuck. Yeah, I think I think he'd be good to go by 2023 to be kind of a at least a rotational guy, if not a second line guy. Got it. And I think you already mentioned probably best attribute hands, which why when you say that, I, I kind of get intrigued because you played offensive line. Did it ever scare you? Not scare you, but when you were playing someone maybe your size in high school, but when you looked at the tape, you saw the hand fighting like crazy versus, man, I don't care about the 300-pound guy. He just tries to push me. I can take care of him. This guy is doing things. Is that what you're saying? Like, he understands up here, I can't force my way through this guy, but I can. Well, I think the big thing is that a lot, lot of guys that are big like that just lean on you. Okay. Which at the high school level, you can get away with it that size, but at college you cannot. Um, so if I see guys that are big that can already do a good job of bringing their hands and keeping the offensive lines lineman's hands away from them, because the less you let a, a, an offensive lineman get their hands on your pads, the the more you can do. So if you're if if you're good with the hands, then you're going to have more success. You'll be able to shed blockers faster. You'll be able to see in the backfield where the ball is going better. There, there's so many things that you can do when you're not just firing off and leaning on a guy. Nice. All right. I'm going to hit our last two guys up, very local guys to the Blackburg area. Let's start with Jordan McDonald, six foot four, out of Salem High School in Salem, Virginia. 217 pounds, three star, was committed to ULM, flipped his late when we offered him. Um, I don't think he can stick at corner, can he? And I'm guessing 2021, 2022, 2023 are all going to be development years for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think both of these guys, if we're talking about Jordan and uh, his brother Jaden that we both got out of the uh, Salem High School. Both- and Jaden six three two eighteen. So, yeah, they're more or less the same, <laughs> the same player here um, in terms of build. Um, yeah. I think both of them are going to be safeties. Um, 
Okay. I like that. Yeah. I, I can see both of them playing safety. Uh, they'll, they'll probably end up adding about five or 10 pounds. They'll be somewhere between 220, 225, playing at 6'3 and 6'4. Um, you know, 21 out the gate is really just going to be evaluating these guys and see if they can be where they need to be on the field in terms of picking up the defenses and, and, and learning the safety position. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be corners. They don't have bad footwork as a cornerback. So I think they, they could do okay in the man coverage responsibilities that our safeties have. Um, okay. But they're not guys that are going to be able to line up against the, the, the number one or number two receiver in the ACC for a given ACC team and and be competitive. So safety is going to be the way to go. But I, I like their tape. Like I said, they move pretty good for their size. Um, you don't see a lot of six four, almost two twenty cornerbacks um, running with pretty good high school talent. So that's impressive to see. Um, it, like I said, it's going to just be an uphill battle to get them acclimated to a new position and, and seeing if that athleticism translates um, to that position. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned about what we're trying to run and if we were strictly running like a zone covered three or cover four consistently all the time, they might have a chance to stick at safety. But as you can see the way it's looking, we're going to run some zone but we're going to run some man. We're going to run man free. We're going to run single highs. They can't, when you get into that man situation, you're talking about against, a, you know, essentially number ones in the ACC, that, that can't happen. Now, if we went to a cover three system and they got to be elite, oh God, they are perfect specimens for that. But that's rarely done at the high school level, or excuse me, the collegiate level, because you can't find enough talent to do all the parts perfectly. And hell, it's tough to do in the NFL. Legion of Boom did that shit for a few years, and it's crazy. We had a significant amount of talent with San Fran, and we couldn't do it. We started moving to cover fours and going down to cover twos, and even occasionally, I'm just slamming us on the ground, running a freaking cover one single high safety that literally lost a fucking Super Bowl. Should have been holding. <laughs> By the way, Brian, that's going to wrap all the guys up. You've made your pick. Tom Brady can't win. Um, I don't know, man. That guy's got like Jesus blood or something in him. Um, you know, when I say Jesus blood, I I think Tom Brady should be considered a. It's going to be considered a three strike guy by the end of his career. Because okay. no forty year old should still have that much arm strength. No, forty-three-year-old. <laughs> and people can say, "Well, he does all this great shit for his body." I'm sorry, no one. Father time wins all, right? Yep. No one at that level playing the way he does. I don't care if you do everything perfect. Naturally, naturally, say it slowly. Naturally, things should start declining. Yeah, they so- aren't. Exactly. Let's talk about the only other guy that's really in the same ballpark, and that's Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde also played half the number of snaps that Tom Brady's played in his career by the time he got to that age. Well, A, Testaverde had a bigger rocket than Tom did. Yeah, out the gate. Yeah, out the gate he had a better rocket. Oh, look at a video the other day. Testaverde in 2002 
was still throwing the ball 70 yards. He had been in the league 16 years. Testa Verde had a cannon. Don't get me wrong. Tom had a very, very strong arm. But not to that level, not to Farr's level, not to Warren Moon's level. He didn't. And people can say, well, you just hate him because he wins. No. I just I don't I do hate I, him because do, he wins, but that's not the only reason. <laughs> why do you hate Tom Brady? To me, it's always been too many things around everything he's done. Because when everything came out with that first Super Bowl, man, it immediately made me say, if they don't do that shit, they get their doors blown off by the greatest show on turf. Their doors blown off. And nothing ever comes of anything of it. Deflated football, Spygate. Well, they kept winning after Spygate. Well, lo and behold, what happened a couple years ago, Brian? (laughs) But then they get busted again taking things. Yeah. So, but so you know what I'm going to say? I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I think we're going to have a few Hokies getting rings along with Tom Brady. Well, that makes me both happy and sad at the same time. What can we do? What can we do? Although, I mean, at this point, he already has more Super Bowls than anybody that I care about, so it, I don't think adding one more is really going to change that conversation. Either that or he's going to get his his head wrecked because Spagnolo knows exactly what to do to beat him. He <laughs> yes, he is, does. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, the neighbor said it this week. Spagnolo doesn't like Luther. He don't know how to beat him. Every time he's yeah, everybody's playing, making the joke that uh, – who was it? They said that uh, you know Eli's going to go undercover to screw this no. whole thing up. Is it? I was like, no. Nah. So they already got the they already they got, got the it. kryptonite on the other sideline. <laughs> and the kryptonite has some good weapons with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Yep. And, but I'll still say Brady because I'm hoping Bruce and Cody get some rings, and Bruce retires and comes and becomes an offensive consultant for the Hokies. That's a great idea. Great That's idea, a great right? Idea. Yeah. Is anything broken since we've jumped on here? Not that I'm Besides, aware of, man. Your Lakers are down five with three minutes in the third quarter, so you've got a good 40 minutes to stay up. Yep. And if that's it, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter. Facebook, subscribe for the podcast at your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, leave us your what you want to hear from us, what you don't want to hear from us anymore. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.